This is the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. Now, here's Chelsea Messenger and Michael Jenkins. Let's bring in someone who hopefully will help us bet if you're looking at the NFL draft. I'm talking about Will Pelagic from WFNZ in Charlotte, hosting the football postgame and Hornets postgame shows on 92.7 FM. Also does radio play-by-play for Charlotte FC and has a great Twitter handle. No check mark, but then again, none of us have check marks now. Willie P. Style, make sure you give him a follow. Will, good morning to you. First, am I getting the name right here? I'm always so paranoid that I'm going to have someone on the show and I'm going to be completely disrespectful and be like, it's Will Antetokounmpo. You know, like I'm going to totally get Am I nailing this or no? You got it the second and third time, Michael. No worries about it. Okay. Okay, very good. Well, it's great to have you. And so let me ask you about this number one pick. We, is it really going to be Bryce? He's minus 2,000 to go number one overall. And if so, why Bryce instead of C.J. Stroud? Well, I think it is Bryce. You know, I've been hearing these conversations about for about a month now. I think for a lot of people, it's maybe been in the last two or three weeks that they've kind of gotten that. But I've had a couple of different conversations, and it's just it's seeming incredibly evident that they like Bryce for what he can bring, not just with uh, his arm, but the kind of the full package. He's a very marketable superstar, I think, for, from their eyes. And I also think, too, with, when it comes to Bryce, he's somebody who can be a face of the franchise and also brings you a lot of the different tools that can be brought up by a very quarterback-heavy staff when it comes to the way that Frank Wright built his staff. He has Josh McCown in there. He has a couple of other guys who have experience working with quarterbacks as well. And he himself, of course, was a former NFL quarterback. So I think they potentially are looking at Bryce because of the whole package. I know that there was this talk about Frank Reich and wanting to have big quarterbacks. And that's part of the reason why a lot of people gravitated towards C.J. Stroud. But I think the feeling with Stroud is that maybe there isn't just that special trait. I think the, the thing with Bryce Young that they love is that he's great off schedule. He can throw through the running lanes. Uh, the big knock on him, everybody knows, as you know, uh, when it comes to his size. So from that perspective, that does at least give people some concern, at least to our Panther fans. But I think the pick is going to be Young. I've thought that way for about a month now. Uh, I really don't know what would change that. And one thing, too, that Scott Fitterer said to, uh, to us earlier in the week, is that he's got conviction in making this pick. They're, they're not going to trade back. There was a little bit of chatter about Anthony Richardson potentially being in play if they potentially traded out of the number one pick and got down to two or three. But they seem convicted, and uh, I think that conviction is with Bryce Young. But here's the thing about the Panthers organization. I'm not sure if I trust their instincts on quarterbacks because look at the list of quarterbacks that they have kind of took risks on. Cam Newton, version 2.0, the worst version, the older version. Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, and P.J. Walker, who I know was you know their backup and they kind of let him ride for a little bit. But still, is it a fair critique saying that uh, I don't know if I can trust the Panthers and their decisions when it comes to picking quarterbacks? The only way I would say this is that we really didn't have a real feel about who exactly was making those decisions inside the Panther room. And a lot of people, at least, you know, who would tell us, make it sound like that Matt Rule probably had more of a more more, more of a dictatorship than it was an actual democracy inside the building there in, in, uh, in Carolina. And that's because of the fact that I think, you know, you think about P.J. Walker, he had connections with him back to uh, his time at Baylor. And I think the other part of this, too, from uh, 
from Carolina's perspective is that they had opportunities to potentially go up and draft Justin Fields at number eight overall. They never did that. They drafted J.C. Horn instead uh, because I think of some dissension in the room when it came to Fields. So I don't know if it's 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 very hard for me to go and say, okay, you know, you did this, this, and that, and now you have a situation where the GM is basically running this draft for the first time, and it's got fitter. And I think I think that to cast dispersions upon everything, I think is unfair. But I also think to sit there and say oh my goodness, look what you did here with the quarterback position before. I think this is a different scenario uh, when it comes to this particular regime. I think Frank Reich is a lot more involved uh, in making sure that Scott Fitterer and the folks in the, in the scouting personnel are able to do their jobs more effectively. I think he's giving himself a little bit of input, but I don't think he's having the kind of dominance over the room that, uh, that Matt Rule had when he was here with Carolina. We're talking with Will Pelagic, host of WFNZ Football Post Game and Hornets Post Game on 92.7 FM in Charlotte. Also does radio play-by-play for Charlotte FC. Will, when you look at this number one overall pick, did the Panthers give up too much? Two first-round picks, a couple of second-rounders, one in 2023, one in 2025, DJ Moore to the Bears, or was this worth it in your view? I mean, I think it was incredibly shrewd in a positive way, and I think it's something that has gotten Carolina a lot more talk about them. And I'm not saying that the reason you do that is you get people talking about you on, you know, the morning shows and ESPN and things of that nature. I'm not, I'm not saying that that's the reason they make the deal, but I think they recognized they had a need at quarterback and they had been unfortunately taking the not cheap route, but taking the, the bandaid route when it came to the quarterback and to Chelsea's point, you know, they've not had a hit at quarterback since the first version of Cam Newton. And I think that's the part of it that, uh, made them realize we are desperate enough to go up and make this pick happen. I think that there was always going to be a part of that deal that felt kind of squeamish to you, whether it was an extra first round pick or a potential player. I think the one thing that they said to us uh, in the aftermath of it is that they were not going to give up Brian Burns. They were not going to give up Jeremy Chin. And they were not going to give up Derek Brown. So the fact remains is that they took a guy who's on his second contract already in DJ Moore, who Honestly, if you look at it from from their perspective, what would you rather have? Would you rather have, say, Derek Carr throwing to DJ Moore, or would you rather have Bryce Young throwing to Adam Thielen and DJ Chark? I think they felt that the latter was probably a better and more sustainable product. They also could go get a wide receiver. They kept number 39, and I think that's part of the reason why they kept number 39 in, the, in play, because they think it could be a wide receiver of the future. And I also feel like, you know, when it comes down to it, they know this is a quarterback league, and Every time they've missed on a quarterback, it has been a detrimental part of their organization. And so from that perspective, I think they needed to make the deal. I think they were one of the teams that uh, felt the way that the draft was going, that they were not going to get their solution at number nine. They didn't want to have to settle for Levis or Richardson, even if they were either of those guys were there. So from that perspective, I think the deal was definitely a necessary part of what their offices needed to be. And I, I don't think they gave up too much. I really don't. What do we think the ceiling is for Bryce Young in his first year? Do the Panthers have the talent around him for him to come in immediately and give this Panthers a shot to win the division? Because the other thing here is the NFC South is not a murderer's row of talent, mm-hmm. especially since Tom Brady has now left the Bucks. Do you think that uh, Bryce Young can come in and actually have a pretty good rookie campaign if it is Bryce Young that goes first overall? 
Well, that's the thing. Like, what, like, how would you rank him in the quarterbacks uh, that are elsewhere in that division? You got Baker Mayfield in Tampa, which you know we know very well about Baker Mayfield, and and we know about the worst of him when it came to his time in Carolina. It was it was brief and uninteresting, if you could say it that way, uh, <laughs> from his time here in Carolina. Uh, New Orleans, Derek Carr. I mean, do you do you have a lot of faith in them and that roster? And I'm not necessarily the biggest Dennis Allen fan in terms of the head coach. I think that they've taken a significant drop off from Peyton down to Dennis Allen. So from that perspective, I think that's something where maybe Carolina put you put a check in their column. Atlanta's a complete unknown because I think a lot of people don't know what Desmond Ritter's upside is going to be and what the rest of their organization is going to, to make happen. They spent a lot of money this offseason under Terry Fontenot. So from that uh, from that instinct, you maybe think Atlanta could be po- poised for a charge as well. But I think Carolina is right there. I think they've got a pretty good roster. They've done a lot of work in this offseason. They, they added Shy Tuttle on the line. They've Added a couple of also pieces in the defensive secondary and also, as we mentioned, in the wide receiver position. I don't think this is a situation where you're saying he can be at a Super Bowl in the uh, first year as an NFL player. But I do feel like the division is definitely on the table. And I also don't think like also you see enough from him and you've seen enough. He's he's the perfect balance of he got great experience in college, but not too much. And I think he also is just bright and primed and ready to be a National Football League quarterback. And and as a result, I think he can win the Rookie of the Year. I really do. Well, before we let you go, we got about three minutes here, but I wanted to ask you about the Stanley Cup playoffs. The Canes are in Long Island tonight. They're underdogs, even money, but they lead this series, and they're 8-1 to to win the Cup, tie with the Avs behind the Bruins, who are the favorites. Can the Canes win this thing? Well, I was at game two, and uh, I won't tell you whether I was wearing blue or orange or uh, or red, but uh, <laughs> it was a pretty exciting contest uh, between the Canes and the Islanders. And I, th- I think Carolina just has this this prodding style when it comes to their forecheck, and I think it's really, really uh, a recipe for how you win in the Stanley Cup playoffs. They just not have had the, the high-end scoring talent before. The problem is two of the t- high-end scoring talents are not playing for them in this series with Andrei Svechnikov being at least pre- chief among them and match packs already being the other one, but they found other ways to make things happen. They get you dirty goals in the playoffs and, and they had a little bit of fortune in game two. Uh, the one goal that Sorokin gave up in the, uh, on the second goal was one that kind of was off of a deflection of the Islanders, Sebastian Ajo. And I think also from the other perspective, the, the goal that they scored kind of careening around Sorokin's head uh, is one that you don't always see often happen. So uh, to say they've had a little bit of puck luck, I think is not, it, not unfair to say, but I also think that they've really kind of have afforded the Islanders at their own game. The, the Islanders play a very big four check as well under Lane Lambert. They like to play very boring hockey and, and try to stuff pucks at the net. They're not a very offensive-minded team. This is always going to be a defensive series. And I think that they kind of have the perfect antidote to what the Islanders can do. I do think game three on Long Island is going to be difficult to win if you're Carolina. So if you're talking about a, uh, a single game play in this one, I think you'd probably lean uh, to the Islanders because it is their first ever a playoff game at UBS Arena in Elmont. So that's a situation where you look at and you say, okay, maybe you favor the Islanders here. But I think series-wide, I still think uh, this is the Hurricanes series to win, and I think the first two games are evident with that. Yeah, and the total set at five juice to the over at minus 150. But that's playoff hockey, right? We see all these six, six and a halves, and then we come to the playoffs, and we see a five on the board for a total. That is great stuff from Will Pelagic, host of WFNZ football postgame and Hornets postgame on the – 92.7 FM dial and Charlotte also does radio play-by-play for Charlotte FC. Will, we appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it as always. 
For more, listen to The Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9 Eastern on the BeckQL Network, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts.